0: Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. Welcome to Cave to the Cross Apologetics. We are working our way through uh, James Anderson's book, Why Should I Believe Christianity? And we're up to the fifth chapter. We're flying through. That's right. Yeah, this one is a pretty straightforward, some of the arguments are a little bit complicated, but for the most part, it's pretty straightforward. That's, that's our job. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> to, to break those things down, <laughs> <No>. right? <laughs> Bite-sized pieces. Uh, so this, uh, chapter is entitled, God is not silent. Mm-hmm. So he's going to argue here. He's going to tell us in just a second, we'll see this, that, uh, there's solid grounds for believing that God has spoken in the Bible. Right? So that's, that's what the issue is here that right. he's, he's going to talk about. um, So he says that Christians uh, believe not only that God is real, but that God has spoken to us in the Bible. Uh, It will be argued, he tells us in this chapter, that there are solid grounds for believing that this is true. But we want to concede, he says at the outset, that the arguments developed here aren't the primary basis for Christian convictions about the Bible. Right. So if you're not, you know, if there aren't uh, good arguments or at least he's not going to give us good arguments for Christian convictions about the Bible. What are good Christian convictions about whether or not, you know, God has spoken in the Bible? Right. Right. Well, we'll figure this out. So um, so he
1: starts out uh, um, kind of uh, uh, from that introduction of uh, hearing God's voice. And so he says uh, when a person calls you up and says, hey, it's me. (laughs) <laughs> probably most of the time you're going to know who that is. Right. Well, why? Well, because somebody on the other end probably knows who you are really well in order to <laughs> to, to do that. I mean, maybe in the Midwest where, hi, it's your mother. I know my own mother's voice, but, you know. <laughs> That's what we do. So one reason is that only certain people would identify themselves to you in that way. Right. Another reason is that you would immediately recognize their voice. So yeah. so you've talked to this person before. It's not been you know through chat or anything, but you've you've heard their voice enough to know that someone would be so rude or so familiar right. with
0: you. To, right. to you, you don't you, you don't do a you know a, a logical deductive yeah. Hold on. argument about female <laughs> um, older <laughs> yes, maybe. Right. Uh, Blonde hair. Oh, no, I can't. Yeah. Talk. And he says Christians typically, you know, don't deduce that God is the ultimate author of the Bible via some you know, elaborate reasoning process. Right. right. He says instead they directly perceive that God directly perceives, directly perceives that God um, uh, is speaking to them through the Bible. They read the Bible or they hear it read to them and they recognize the voice of God, similar to your person over the phone. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, if you're
1: serious about investigating Christianity, but you haven't read the Bible, or at least significant parts of it, then, if nothing else, you owe it to yourself to read it with an open mind and, and expect an expectant attitude. So, uh, he says that he would recommend, however, that you don't read it from the first page to the last page, in order <laughs> yeah. that it's usually arranged, and as people who, you know, you, you, you're, you become a believer, you're like, alright, I'm on fire, and then you get to... Leviticus, Leviticus and numbers and you're like yeah. I am so confused That's over why
0: is, my oh, fire has so yeah. drenched <laughs> why do I care about these people or
1: they had 12 oxes and six calves and uh, each uh, tribe uh, did, did did this it's yeah. like uh, okay can't you just you know sum it down by all <laughs> tribes did this sacrifice and, and let, let's get on. there yeah, yeah. <laughs> well there's reasons for that right. but also, um, you know, we're also coming kind of into it where we're Christians. We believe that Jesus Christ is, is the, the path that leads us to salvation, uh, the, the connecting with God. And so we're almost start in the middle and then we have to move backwards. But right. also, I mean, you could start in Genesis and that's, that's important. And if you read John, there's some parallels there. All right. So uh, that's because the Bible is really a collection of books, so a it's, library of
0: books. Yeah, so it's a collection. It's not just one. Right. I mean, it is to a certain canon, extent. Yeah. yeah, it is, you know, the, the we would believe the whole voice of God, right, written down. Mm. But uh, yeah, there are m- many authors uh, throughout history that have written various portions of the Bible. And so, yeah, it's a collection of books. Right. right?
1: Yeah. It's why we don't include like the Shepherd of Hermas or hopefully not the U.S. Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. We save those for, for other, other collections.
0: Yeah, so how should we read the Bible? Well, he suggests that, uh, that we read the four Gospels first, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then, and then after that, read the book of Acts, which records some of the uh, remarkable events that follow the crucifixion of Jesus. And then he, he suggests that we read some of the letters written by Paul, specifically we could start with Romans. And then go to Ephesians, yeah. right? So there was lots of doctrines that are that are talked about in those particular books. Right. right. To give a feel for exactly what Christians believe,
1: right? Maybe one <coughs> day we'll do the book on Romans so that we can have a good old breakdown of yes. that chapter by <laughs> chapter.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so, and then after that, he says you can dive into the, or he would suggest you can dive into the Old Testament, beginning with the book of Genesis and Exodus, which kind of lay a foundation for the biblical world. So that's kind of how he suggests we could, you yeah. know we, we start reading the Bible, right? yeah.
1: But uh, we're obviously not here to to uh, to support breaking of the Old Testament away, um, because as we learned from G.K. Beale, or actually we have a uh, uh, um, another uh, interview with a pastor uh, <laughs> interview coming up, where we're interviewing a pastor on the importance of of the old testament and how he teaches from it in a uh, in a seminary type uh, setting mm. and so uh be on the lookout for that and um how important the old testament is and how much it's quoted and um i'll put uh, a couple links to uh the the new test the old testament and the new testament i believe is a a, a beale's uh, version and there's a shorter version and then of course he does a longer version that he takes from so so uh as as uh, anderson has noted uh um Previously here, uh, most Christians don't come to believe the Bible is God's word through sophisticated, philosophical, scientific, and historical arguments. Now, you can, and right. some people do, and uh, there are good, philosophical, scientific, and historical arguments, whether you like them or not. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, there, are, there are many paths uh, that, uh, that people take uh, to, to recognize the, the Bible is God's word. But instead, they come to perceive it immediately through a direct supernatural illumination, and there's something particularly odd or, or there, there's nothing particularly odd or outlandish about that, especially if we understand who God is. Yeah. If God can give us ordinary sensory factors, that allows us to perceive things in the natural world. Then he also has the power to give people direct insight into spiritual matters, specifically to perceive his own voice speaking to them in the Bible. All right. And obviously this is again, a, a worldview understanding of if God is like this, then why couldn't he, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of, um curry up this this uh this under this supernatural understanding yeah. to, to recognize right. it uh, you know the, the the bible says you know uh the, i'm the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice there's no you know uh and once they get to page 17 on my manual <laughs> then right. they understand right. oh okay uh, uh, you know yeah. two plus two equals four here we go, and yeah. bing, bing, boom, yeah.
0: we're off. Right, That's right. 17. Once you get to 17, then you're good. So, so, and this is kind of an interesting, you know, parallel, right? We, uh, he's given us sensory faculties, our five senses and that sort of thing, that we can, uh, you know, perceive physical reality. Okay. Why wouldn't we expect him to give us uh, some type of spiritual, you know, Sensus divinitus, <laughs> right, or yeah. something like that, so that we could perceive spiritual reality, yeah. right? And so that's the claim that he's trying to make. You know, right. we, he, uh, he uh, we are allowed to do that. But he tells us that there there are excellent reasons to believe that God has spoken in the Bible, and so he wants to kind of explore those in the rest of this chapter, right? All right, so here's a preview of what he's going to talk to us about. He says that, um, you know, he suggested in Chapter 2 of this book that one of the tests for evaluating worldviews is the test of coherence, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The more coherent a worldview is, the better it fits together internally, And the more reason we have to believe it. Right. So if it cohere, if it fits together, uh, that uh, is at least an indicator that it's that it's true. Right. right? Because what we're trying to determine with these various tests is, is it true? Right. And so coherence is an important uh, factor. You know, we might call it a um, an epistemic value is what they call it in in epistemology. There you go. (laughs) Epistemology. Yeah. Study of knowledge. That's that's the easy one. (laughs) (laughs) So he said he's going to make the case that um, a a God speaks worldview is more coherent than a God doesn't speak worldview. Mm -hmm. And further, uh, he says we're going to consider the alternatives. Wow. So he's going to kind of do a little criticism, right? He's going to look at the alternatives. The Christian worldview is the only. Uh, credible candidate among uh, the God speaks worldview out there. And so he's going to consider various alternatives to the Christian worldview. Right.
1: Uh, So in a previous chapter, he argued that uh, only a worldview centered on a transcendent, absolute, personal creator, God Mm -hmm. can make sense of the things that we take for granted. But why should we think this God would speak to us? Well, Christianity emphasizes that God is personal. So, uh, he's he's a being. He he doesn't uh, just create the universe, winds it winds it up, sets it down, right, and says, uh, "All right, good luck." Right.
0: You know, that, that Nor is he some type of force or power or something like that that just you know blows everything together yeah. or whatever. And then so no Star know. Wars. Yeah. we get lightsabers, maybe, <laughs> yeah. but but
1: we yeah. we can't turn off the light switch with with our minds yet. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh. But uh. But you know why, why is this the case? Why why, why do um. Why does it kind of God reveal himself in this personal way? Well, Christianity also teaches that God created humans in his own image. That is to say, we humans are also personal beings who
0: reflect God's personal attributes at a finite level. Right, so God is a personal being, and when he creates, he's created, at least us anyway, uh, humans in his own image, so we're personal beings as well, right? Right. And that's the point he's trying to make here. Mm-hmm. So we
1: can think of it, again, like our, our uh, computer programmer, he has uh, a, a, a input device called keyboard. And he then can direct the code to do certain functions, whatever it is. Go, right. go, go! Find this picture. Go, you know, um, make ma- this calculation right. so that he doesn't have yeah. to
0: do it. yeah, right. he, yeah that sort of thing. Yeah.
1: So we speak in ones and zeros, and he speaks in twos and threes and <laughs> fours and ones and zeros. As well. right. <laughs> so uh, that uh, that the, so God is uh, infinite. Uh, we're at a finite, but we still reflect certain characteristics being made in His image.
0: So that's right. that's uh, right. definitely a so big. So all of big, these types of things that allow us to, uh, uh actually communicate. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: so we're able to think, reason, exercise, imagination, make plans and choices, show affections, and enter into loving relationships with each other. A lot of those things, um, come into play when we talk about, um, uh, the Trinity and why that's important. So, uh, again, just, uh, uh, to, to add a, a little caveat that he doesn't, but, um, I think, um, understanding God as a Trinity is, is, uh, very important right. in in kind of the I, I think we talked about it before of of uh, the the one in the many uh, why we should understand in that way yeah. and also the, uh, there's no need to learn love because um, he is able to love within the Trinity. yeah
0: yeah so this trinitarian there is a uh, by Nate by you know by virtue of being. Uh, Trinitarian there's relationship right right? so God is a relational God and relationship is extremely apparently extremely important to Mm -hmm. God right and so he created us to have relationship Mm -hmm. he created us in our image with one another we can do that and so this implies that God intended us also to have a personal relationship with him right right? as well as you know uh, with one another so the idea that a personal God you know would create other personal beings but not not relate to him right in a personal way he says would be incoherent right you know it doesn't make sense on the face of it mm-hmm. so he created personal beings who are able to relate to one another to also be able to relate to him right right, right.
1: but how would god enter into a personal relationship with us that's the question we, we want to ask now is what would characterize that relationship well, when we reflect on the personal relationships we form with other human beings, it's clear that language is an essential component of those relationships. You know, we, we talk about how uh, important it is for for uh, a, a mother and father, uh, you know, uh, parents to talk to their children. Even at an early age, it helps to uh, start uh, developing that relationship. And you can tell, even though a, a, a baby can't um, can't communicate in in the, the language verbally yeah but they can recognize uh the voices of, of their mothers and uh we do it even um we see that even uh, with animals as well and uh even our relationship with animals like a shepherd calling his flock it's a interesting word picture that uh that the bible uses as well and so you're you have flocks that come together shepherd says all right let's go and the sheep that are part of his flock only go with him and yeah. the other ones kind of
0: interesting, yeah. And and with regard to this issue of language, obviously, he's talking more broadly than just verbal language. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's all kinds of language, written language, sign language, whatever. Th- these are essential components for relationships, right? right? Any type of language. Mm-hmm. Like you said, with the child, obviously, a child, a very young child, baby, doesn't have verbal communication skills, at least in terms of sophisticated you know, language like we do, they do cry and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but still there's a component of uh, communication. Right. Right. And so that's what he means here is this broad concept of language.
1: Right. right? We talked to uh, pastor, Justin McCoy uh, that, that we uh, just finished up with. He talked about, um, you know, having students, uh, the importance of students going uh, overseas and, and interacting with new people or, uh, you know, and on mission trips. And part of that is, learning to communicate with people who don't always speak the same language as you, but you recognize them as just as human as you are. They have the same desires, feelings, thoughts, love, affection, hates. Um, And it's just in a different setting, but also uh, it kind of opens your mind out uh, to, to different um, different experiences that people have around the world and in their different settings. But, uh, Communication uh, seems to be one of those ways that we can really get to know somebody through those experiences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can remember when I uh, uh, took one of those trips to uh, Ecuador and we were in the Amazon jungle with this tribe. And, uh, you know, we didn't speak their language, they didn't <laughs> speak ours, but we were able to communicate through ways. So, you know, when my uh, uh, canteen got empty and, and I needed more water, you know, I let them know. They'd grab it from me, go up a river somewhere, get some water <laughs> and bring it back. And And I was supposed to drink that water. <laughs> and I, I did, you know. I mean, what else are you going to do? And you right? made it. Yeah. You made it. Yeah. And I live to tell the tale. <laughs> so, Fountain of View, yeah. Ecuador.
1: So if a, a personal God is going to enter into personal relationships with his personal creatures, personal, personal, and the normal means of initiating and sustaining personal relationships is through language, well, then we should expect God to speak to us. Mm. Okay, yeah. So there's the uh, there's the, the logical flow that he's got there. All right,
0: so we expect God to speak to us, right? The question that he wants to deal with now is uh, how has God spoke? Well, if All God right. doesn't speak to me audibly,
1: face-to-face, then... Obviously, that's That's the only way.
0: Yeah, it's a no 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 other way. That's right. This this has to be the way. Well, he said, you know, God uh, might well speak to us in a variety of ways and means, right? Uh, Nevertheless, uh, there's a good reason to think that if God were to speak to us, he would do so in a publicly accessible way. Right. Mm. After all, the most important things that God would have to say to us would be applicable to human beings in general and not just to individuals or subgroups. Right. The most important things. But he says that uh, in that case, God's words would have to be generally available to human beings in general, at least in principle. Right. Right.
1: So it's certainly possible for God to speak to humans privately and individually. Christianity doesn't deny that. Right. And the Bible indicates that it occasionally happens, although significantly the Bible still fills us in on what God said on the, these yeah, occasions. So we,
0: so we get a sneak uh, view of what yeah. what these individual private <laughs> Yeah, right, right. communications are, right? <laughs> so, so some of those
1: people probably wish they were a little bit more private. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Everyone's going to read this for the next how many years? That's a lot of years. Yeah, And and so I think that's one of the, the kind of misnomers uh, that people get out of out of um, uh, Christianity or Judaism is that, oh, this was a normal thing that happened. God, God always kind of operated in this way. Big booming voice, pillar of fire, cloud, yeah. smoke, all yeah. this stuff. It's like, no, these are incidents in time that are being written down because they're so special or because right. they're there to communicate certain principles to us in a, in a way of, of God interacting with his people. And so it's not, uh, um, the Bible's not strictly that because it also involves relationships among people, but it usually has a relationship. So
0: I shouldn't expect there. a pillar of fire to t- to appear so that I know which way to go when I'm driving. That's just one of the reasons.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> Yeah. You <It> could.
1: <laughs> I mean, God could GPS us all, I guess. But uh, but it seems like uh, um, uh, there, there's there's it would lose its speciality. There. Maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, the the thing is though, if, if God were to speak only privately and individually, there would be no public objective way to resolve disagreements about what God has said. Right. It would always be one person's word against another. Again, unless we want God to change, um, kind of our entire, um, makeup and make us kind of more robotic way of, of, you know, forcing us to, to believe, um, this, then, um, it's it uh, removes that relationship uh, learning aspect the sanctification process that um, that that um, God has determined uh, that He wants from His people. All right. So if there's a divine revelation which is objectively knowable and publicly available, something that anyone in principle could point to as God's word, then there's a meaningful basis for s- settling such disagreements. So if we had something that says, "Well, all right, you you say that um, that." You, You've started this group, and, and uh, God has revealed to you that uh, that you can have as many wives as possible. Uh, but the Bible here, or this, this collection of sayings that is authoritative to us as what God said, is opposite. We can probably say that you're wrong, right?
0: Right. That God didn't say that, to mm-hmm. you, right? Right. Because we have a public, uh, yeah, accessible, accessible revelation, right? right?
1: And a God who uh, is is uh, unchanging. Uh, his moral law never changes. We can still rely on the, the moral aspect, of whether um, his, his, um, his working with a particular people civilly or ceremonially um, might be for that particular uh, group of people while still revealing his moral character and what he would want from us.
0: Yeah, good. And so he's, he says that it makes sense to assume that God then would arrange his communication to be written down. Right, so it's publicly accessible, it's objective, we, you know, we can objectively view it and, and deal with uh, you know, our various, uh, what we believe, how God has spoken and that sort of thing. He says the content of a written communication is not only publicly accessible and objectively verifiable, but it's also preserved for future generations. And so if it's reasonable to believe in God, it's also eminently reasonable, he tells us, to believe that there are Divine scriptures, written records of God's verbal communication to mm-hmm. us. Right? right? Why don't we just end it here and you know pick it, pick up the rest of this next time?
1: Yeah. So uh, next time we'll cover kind of uh, comparing what uh, what Christianity says uh, or uh, the possibility of it being revealed to uh, other uh, God revealing Himself in, in other ways in other religions. So it'll right. be a good one. So join us next
0: time. We'll see you next time.